Hey guys, it's uh, Tuesday, so I wanted to put together this video for our meeting tonight and continue to talking about trusting in God. Um, and I've been using the book Trusting God by Jerry Bridges um, to kind of go through these last few lessons. Um, and so uh, today we're going to talk about growing through adversity, uh, growing through adversity. This is one of his chapters in his books. And uh, I thought after reading the chapter and, and looking at it a little bit that really the, the biggest thing to take away from, from this is never waste an adversity, never waste a trial. And, um, and I think it's typically we want things to end. We want adversity to end. We want to move past adversity and kind of move into a time of peace and a time of uh, lack of anxiousness and worry. Um, but I think it's important, especially right now, that we learn uh, how to um, work through and grow through adversities because this is not the only adversity that we're going to face in our lives. Right? There's going to be other adversities that are going to be different, some more challenging actually than, than, than this particular adversity, um, probably more personal to you, um, maybe more direct to you, maybe it affects your family in a more direct way. Um, and so it's important right now that we kind of think through this and pray through this and read through God's Word on how do we learn uh, through adversity? How do we grow through adversity in our Christian lives? And um, one interesting illustration that um, kind of I came across while looking at this chapter uh, and looking at this, this idea and this topic of adversity um, is a moth. And when a moth kind of comes out of its cocoon, and develops its wings and the process of kind of struggling to break out of its cocoon as it struggles to emerge from the cocoon it develops the muscle systems that it needs for its for flying uh, it push it, it pushes body fluids out into the wings to expand them um, and through their struggle they're able to fly they're able to exist in the in the function that they were created to do which is to fly um, if you were to, if you were coming across a moth trying to force its way out of its cocoon and you were trying to help it by cutting or snipping the cocoon so it could get out quicker or without struggling as much, you would actually be not helping it in any way. Um, you would be helping it not to develop properly and then therefore it would fail to fly and therefore eventually die. And so an attempt to try to relief or uh, release someone from their struggles, you actually could be impacting them in a negative way. Um, we want to look at James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. James uh, is a book of the Bible that comes after the book of Hebrews. So James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Or adversities that we go to when we want to talk about adversity and learning and growing through adversity. But I think it's important here to, to notice is that Paul, uh, the, the writer James here says to count it all joy, my brothers. The, the, the topic of joy or rejoicing in adversity is a difficult um, a difficult topic and subject because how do we really rejoice? How do we have joy in the midst of adversity and trial? We, 
we kind of spend most of our life trying to avoid adversity and to avoid trials, but yet James tells us to rejoice in trials. We, you know, it, Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, 23-24, uh, our church redeemer just preached through the book of Galatians. And chapter 5, 23-24, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And so we, we see here, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. When we think about this list here, the, the fruit of the Spirit, all these virtues mentioned here are things that we want to be true of our life, right? We, we want to be someone who uh, reflects love, reflects joy, reflects peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. We, we want these fruits to, to be expressed in our lives. We want people to see us and be able to say, this person is full of love or this person is full of joy and kindness and patience. But where the kind of the, the laboratory or the classroom by which these fruit arcs are produced in our lives are typically produced in adversity. Adversity reveals to our need to grow in these areas. Uh, yet we want God to snip the cocoon, right? We, we want God to release us from adversity, from trial. But it's where we are in the midst of adversity and trials in these circumstances that actually produce the fruit of the Spirit. God has more love and wisdom for us than we do for ourselves. Right? We want release and, rel and relief from adversity where God is actually using adversity for our good. He has more love and wisdom for us than we actually do for ourselves. He desires to use adversity in our lives for our own good so that we can profit from the adversity. He desires to use adversity and trials for our good, so we profit from them, so we grow in them. We so quickly want relief, uh, we, we just want relief from adversity without recognizing the profit that we are sacrificing because we just want freedom from adversity. But God is using this for our good. So the writer again in James chapter 1, 2, the first says, Rejoice, brothers. Why then should we rejoice in our trials? Because trials and adversity reap beneficial results. God is in control of the adversity. God is in control of it. He's sovereign over it. We've talked about this in the last few other lessons, that God is sovereign. He's doing his will. He's accomplishing his will for his glory and for our good. And he's at work through adversity for our ultimate good. We all want to grow, but tend to resist the process of growth. It's kind of the same idea that people desire to lose weight, but they really don't want the process of losing weight. They want to get stronger, but they really don't want to work out. So there's a, the typically we want results, but we don't want to go through the process of getting those results. And in the Christian life, we want to be uh, kind of the, the looked upon, uh, influential Christian, um, but there's a growth, there's a process by which we must go through to advance to a, a more mature spiritual life. And, and that is through adversity, that's through trials. 
We need the eye of faith that looks beyond the, the events of our adversity. Instead of just looking at the adversity and wanting freedom from the adversity and the trial, we need to look beyond the adversity. Look at Christ. Christ looked beyond the cross, knowing that his death and his sacrifice on the cross was going to produce redemption and salvation right, for, those, for, for us from our sins. So he looked beyond the pain of the cross. We also need to look beyond the pain of our adversity to know that God is using it for, for our spiritual profit, for, our, for fruit in our lives. So a few things we want to look at here. God works through adversity. God works through adversity. God is the master teacher. God doesn't ask how. He doesn't ask us how we should grow. And he doesn't ask us when we should grow. God is the master teacher. He knows. And he is teaching us, his pupils, his students, through adversity. And the word of God, his word, which is what we have already, nourishes us through adversity, but adversity itself prunes us. It prunes us and it snips off things that are, that are affecting growth in our lives. And that's how, what adversity does. It prunes us. God uses that, advers that adversity and that trial to prune us and to affect change in areas where we are, are connecting or we are relying too much on certain things that are actually affecting our growth. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing through our adversity, and he's doing it for our good, for our profit. I'm going to read a few passages here. Uh, Psalms 94. Psalms 94, verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. Blessed is the one who is being disciplined by the Lord, by who, who's going through adversity, who's being pruned by God. Pruning is a painful thing, right? A gardener prunes a plant by cutting off things. Cutting off is not something that is painless. It's painful. And so adversity is painful, but the pain is for our good. The trial is for our good. God is the master gardener, and he knows what he's doing. He's pruning the things that need to be cut off. He knows exactly what we need and how to supply it. God knows us better than ourselves. He diagnoses the problem. And he brings remedy to that problem with adversity. We think of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 33. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. God is not just simply afflicting us for the sake of afflicting us. He's doing it for a greater purpose. And that greater purpose is to grow us and to make us more like Christ. Uh, a very encouraging passage that Paul uh, writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So everything that happens in our lives, God is using, he says here in verse 6, to bring us to the completion of the day of, of Jesus Christ. He will bring us to completion. He will grow us. He will prune things in our lives through adversity to make us more like Christ, to complete his project in us. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly how to supply what we need to make us more like his son and to complete his project in us. Uh, Hebrews thirteen twenty one. 
equips you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's working in us, which is pleasing to his sight. His adverse, the adversity that we're going through, what you may be going through, God is using, God is working in you. He's using it as a great gardener to prune us, to supply us what we need. The second thing is, is not only that God is working through adversity, but we are to learn from adversity. So it's not simply that God just uses that adversity and we're just blindly going through it, but we should be aware of it and be attuned to it and learn from adversity. Learn to respond to what he is doing and seek to learn from adversity. The first thing we have to do is submit to adversity. Right? Like a surgeon and a patient. We as patients should trust God as the great surgeon to prune and to re and remove things that are not good for us. And we should submit to it willingly and faithfully. Some things and some adversity in our lives that we know is directed by God is easy to perceive. Right, We know we, we're quite aware that God is using something to, to grow us. And we should be humbly obedient to God during that time of adversity. But there are other times where we just may not be able to see why God is doing something. Why are you doing this, Lord? Why are you causing me to, to struggle through this? What is your plan? What is your will through this? And that may not be easily seen. And during that time, we should humbly have faith and trust in God. So not only are we supposed to submit to adversity... We have to bring the word of God to bear upon the situation, upon the circumstance, upon the adversity. To profit from circumstances as we are nourished by God's word, right? As we are going through a certain circumstance, understanding that God is using the adversity, he's in control, he's using it for our good. And so for us to profit from this circumstance or this adversity, we have to be nourished by God's word. We cannot profit from adversity not depending on God's word. And when we're going through this time of adversity, we're looking to God's word, we actually gain new insights on God's word as well during adversity. We almost, in a sense, where certain passages and verses that we've read or heard preached or taught multiple times, they, there's a certain nuance that we are shown through about the about the, the the passage of scripture when we're going through adversity there's a certain freshness that the the, the scripture or the passage it, it, it brings uh, to our lives during times of during times of adversity one book that has been interesting to me I have never actually studied lamentations all that much but during this pandemic that book has just been very helpful and I've been studying it and looking at it we actually are starting we did a, a men's bible study are going going through a men's bible study with it with the book of lamentations we actually use lamentations in our good friday and easter sermons uh lamentation has been really uh insightful during this time where before i simply have ignored the book completely um and so during adversity god's word can actually give us new insights into god's word during adversity um Martin Luther said that when, were it not for tribulation, I should not understand the scriptures. That even in his own times of adversity, 
he understood scriptures far more during time of adversity. During, during adver adversity, it enhances the teaching of God's word and makes it more profitable to us. Uh, it clarifies, and we see truth we had passed over before during adversity. It moves from just simply knowing God's word to then it becoming a, something that, not just simply a head knowledge, but then it becomes a like heart knowledge during adversity. The word of God and adversity work together to produce, produce fruit in our lives. Adversity without God's word is not going to be profitable in our lives. But in, in the same way, the word of God, absent of adversity, sometimes doesn't uh, strike us or move us or, or uh, help us grow the same way that God's word and adversity does in our lives. The third thing is remembering adversity and the lessons we learned from adversity. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is God through, through Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 3. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so when we go through, God is referring to the wilderness when the Israel wandered through the wilderness for 40 years as a time of adversity, a time of testing, a time of trial. And God is saying, don't forget these 40 years. Don't forget the wilderness. Because you'll remember how I provided for you. How, what you learned through adversity. You know, I had a, a friend who mentioned something to me just recently that uh, encouraged me to journal through this experience, during this pandemic, to, to, as, a, as a memorial to remember years in the, in the future when we go through similar things, to look back at this as a way of understanding God's faithfulness and goodness during that trial. And what we learned about ourselves, what we learned about God uh, during this time. So this could be an interesting thing to do. If you, this could maybe spark maybe a, a, a new discipline, a new spiritual discipline in your life of journaling and just writing down some of your struggles, writing down some of just the thoughts of thankfulness to God, where God was faithful, where God was good, where God was provided for you, writing those things down and coming back to these things later on down the road when you go through similar adversities as a memorial how God was faithful and how you need to trust in him. And even looking, at, even journaling and writing down certain verses that you read during this time that were helpful and writing down your thoughts on those verses um, as again, as something you can come back to later on. Um, so John, I'm gonna go to John chapter 15, verse two. This kind of helps us with John 15. We, we see the, the illustration Jesus gives of the, the vine. He says in verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that he may bear, bear more fruit. Pruning, like I mentioned before, is loosening our grip on those things that are not true fruit to help us be more fruitful. 
Adversity is a pruning experience. When we are of, we are part of God's, we're one of God's children. We are uh, connected to Christ. We are abiding and are um, a part of the vine. God prunes us. He prunes the things are, that are not true fruit and, and removes those from the vine so that we can produce more fruit. Um, and since what ends up happening during times, of, during times of adversity and trials, we start to recognize what is really important, what is not important. And I typically what we've done is we've, especially now, is that we've recognized like where we've spent our time that really wasn't really fruitful to us and where we should spend more of our time, where there is more fruit. So God uses adversities and trials as a way to show us what is not helpful to us and what is helpful to us to be more fruitful. Another thing is holiness. That adversity reveals the corruption of our sinful nature. That sometimes what, during adversity, we start to recognize our weaknesses and our struggles, so where we're lacking. Uh, it exposes our weaknesses, our inabilities. Especially when it comes to uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, right, that I read earlier, right? We, we want to, to grow in these areas, right? We want to, to reflect love and reflect joy and kindness and patience and, and gentleness, in some of these other areas, but some, what ends up happening during times of adversity, it exposes our lack or our weakness in these areas. Adversity can expose where we are lacking in these areas, where you're like, wow, I'm really very selfish, or I, I really am struggling to love the people in my family that now I'm having to spend a lot more time with. It's exposing to me my lack of patience in other, with other people. My, my, I'm quickly irritable. I'm not one who speaks gentleness and kindness. I am struggling with self-control. I'm struggling to be happy and joyful, right, in these, in these moments. And so it really ends up happening during adversity. We just get exposed to where we're really lacking. And so that we can almost, in a sense, write those things down or make ourselves aware of those things to know where we need to grow in the future. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves, are you more desirous of relief from the adversity or do you desire the profit that adversity is produced, especially when it comes to holiness? Do we want relief from our adversity or do we want holiness? As a follower of Christ, as a Christian, we should desire holiness above all else, right? To be more like God. And so too often what we want is we just want relief from adversity. But relief from adversity, as I've mentioned before, may not be what's best for us. And we must pursue what is best for us. And God is the only one who knows what's best for us. So he puts us through adversity. We should trust him and put our faith, our humble faith in him, knowing that God is using it for our good. And adversity is also a time of dependence, learning to be more dependent on God. Jesus says, continues in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from God, apart from Christ, you can produce nothing. No fruit will come 
apart from our union in Christ. Really, the, you know, the dependence on God's grace is significant, right? Too often, we are worshipers of independence and self-reliance. We don't want to rely on anyone. We won't, don't want anyone to take even partial credit for the things that we've accomplished or done. We want to be completely self-reliant, never having to ask anyone for help. And this goes along with our relationship with God. We want to be completely independent. We want to do all these things. We want to be a better person, a more loving person, a better uh, student, a better friend, a better uh, son or daughter or husband or father, completely apart from God. That we can do this through our own wisdom. Interesting what, G what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul connects adversity as a positive thing because it led to them depending more on God and his grace. And that is significant because where does strength, where does endurance, where does hope, where does joy, where does love, where is it all located? It's located in God. And if we are more dependent on God, then therefore we are more recipients of his grace. And so dependence on God's grace is significant, significant here. Dependence on God is significant. And adversity typically pushes us to dependence on God. Adversity also produces perseverance. So it produces pruning, it produces holiness, it produces dependence, it also produces perseverance. The Christian life is really an obstacle course that's a marathon length, right? And these obstacles are not something we know ahead of time most of the time. These obstacles, these unexpected obstacles that kind of enter into our life uninvited, unwelcomed, we have to persevere through. And it's not some sh short sprint. Typically, these adversities will come in bunches. They'll come one, one season of our life, and then there'll be time of, of non-adversities, and then a new adversity. It just kind of is a lifelong um, journey of unexpected obstacles. This is kind of the Christian life. And so the Bible continually encourages us and presses us to persevere through adversity. Uh, going back to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. That trials and adversity produces um, perseverance. A good way to think about this, a good illustration is like weightlifting. right? If you want to get strong, you don't get strong by simply lifting five-pound weights over and over and over again. But its resistance leads to more strength. So if you lift weight, if you lift resistance, it will grow muscle, which allows you to lift more weight, right? So when you go through adversity, when you persevere through adversity, it builds perseverance, which allows you to go through more deeper or darker adversity. Adversity and faith 
equals perseverance. When we go through adversity and we are given faith by, by God's strength, not by your own strength, but by God's strength, it leads to perseverance. It leads to endurance. It leads to steadfastness. You know, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, right? This is a, a very popular verse during times of struggles or adversity. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, right? God is the one who strengthens us in the time of adversity to build perseverance, to build steadfastness. Jesus even says, you can do nothing apart from me. So faith in God, strength that is provided by God, faith that is provided by God in the midst of adversity and trials will lead to perseverance, will lead to endurance and steadfastness. Adversity also produces service. They become more useful instruments in God's hands because of adversity. You think of Joseph, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, is Joseph you know, from, from Genesis, the, bro the, the, the brother who was betrayed by his older brothers into slavery. Joseph grew as a man, as a leader, through adversity, right? God sent him to prison. He was then uh, established in Potiphar's house, and then he was, he was, uh, he was deceived and, and falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was sent back to jail. He helped and, and answered or interpreted the dream of, of Pharaoh's uh, servant, the servant forgot Joseph. He stayed in prison for two years longer, and then he was reminded of Joseph and his abilities to interpret dreams. And because of all that adversity, then Pharaoh uh, basically made him, made Joseph second in command of Egypt. But God used the time of adversity to build him into the man God desired him to be, to make him more of a useful tool in God's hands. Paul even says in 2 Corinthians 1.4 that he is, because God comforted him during adversity, he can now comfort others in their adversity. So adversity produces service. It makes you more useful as an instrument in God's hands. Adversity also produces fellowship. That when we are all subject to adversity, which is especially right now, this pandemic is, is affecting the rich and the poor, we're all going through some level or degree of adversity. And so there's a, there's a kind of a equality that is being produced. And as we are being subjected to a common adversity, it produces fellowship. That we now we become more dependent on our relationship with other members of the body, of members of the church, right? We, we're more in need of those in our churches, in our, in our bodies fellow Christians or fellow fellow saints or we're more dependent on them because we all have a similar story, a similar need and we are calling out for one another and are being kind of drawn closer to each other. Unity is being built amongst believers during this time. So adversity will produce fellowship. Adversity also obviously will produce a stronger relationship with God. That through adversity, we become not just simply, we know some things about God, but we know him personally. Philippians 3.10. Philippians is a great book for, for adversity because Paul is going through adversity while he's in prison writing to his, to his fellow church. 
Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul desires to know Christ, to know him in the power of his resurrection. But he says here that I may share his sufferings, that adversity creates a deeper unity with Christ a stronger fellowship with his suffering. And really, we don't have to be put in prison or to be persecuted for our faith to have fellowship with Christ's suffering. Even right now, during this pandemic, even though we're not thrown in jail, we're not being burned at the stake, there's no persecution from government officials, but we're going through an adversity, and all adversity, regardless of what it is, you are, you are drawn into fellowship with Christ's suffering. And adversity is a time where we are more connected to Christ's suffering, right? We, we are even more, uh, we understand more and are able to rely, rely more or relate more to Christ's suffering when we're going through our own suffering. So suffering is helpful because it helps us to connect and, and know more of Christ. That fellowship with his suffering. God seeks us out in adversity. And we are to seek to cooperate with God in the midst of adversity as he uses it to grow us. Right? We're not don't fight it. Right? Don't, don't try to, to get quick relief from it. But seek to cooperate with God in the midst of adversity as he uses it to grow you. Look beyond, as I say, look beyond the adversity to how God is going to profit, how God is going to produce results and profit and, and, and to grow you and to produce fruit in you through this adversity. As I've said before, and as we are, can experience in our own lives, adversity strikes unexpectedly and where we are most vulnerable. And it's not something we see coming, right? It just comes. And when it comes, it reveals some things in our lives that we were not even aware of or attuned to. Uh, this is definitely true for me. I, there's some things about me and my, things that are lacking in me that this pandemic and this adversity is bringing up in my heart. Um, pride, uh, selfishness, um, too independent not relying enough on God. God does have purpose in every pain. In every adversity, God has a purpose with it. And that purpose is our profit and his glory. This is for our good. And while it may be difficult to, to recognize that, it may be difficult to rejoice in the fact that God is using this for our good and to profit us, but it's significantly important to, to pray that God would give you the, the heart to put, put your faith and trust in him during this adversity and to give you eyes beyond the adversity, not to be so quickly to pray for the end of it, but instead to pray that God would make you more dependent on him, he would prune things from your life that needs to be pruned, that he would make you more holy, that he would make you a more useful servant a more, a more useful instrument in his hands to serve others, to make you, uh, to grow fellowship with other believers, to grow your relationship with God. 
to make you persevere, to grow you and to make you uh, one who perseveres through, through all trials, to grow that in your life. And so I think the, the, the theme that I said in the beginning, never waste an adversity, never waste it. Let's not, let's not waste this adversity. Let's not waste this. Let's use it to grow us more like Christ. Pray that God would give you the heart to grow through this. That he would give you more of a, of a, of a hunger for his word, um, a more hunger for himself, a more hunger for others and to serve others and be in relationship with others. Pray that he would use this time to grow you in those areas. May that be a prayer that you pray every day. That, Lord, may I not waste this adversity. Or that you would use this to prune things from my life that need to be pruned, that aren't helpful, that aren't fruitful. That I would produce fruit. That he make you aware of your sin in your heart, in your life. Areas that you're weak. That you would pray that, God, you would grow those areas during this time. It would make you more holy, more dependent on him, and other, other things. To make you a more servant for others. And so these are some things, some helpful guide and helpful encouragement to you. Um, we'll talk a little bit about this tonight as we meet on Zoom. And we'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.